Welcome to another Dirt Road Journey. Stories to learn from in life and business. I'm Rob Deptford. My guest today has been an entrepreneur since fourth grade. She ran a home remodeling company for 15 years, and she's the founder of On Point Business Coaching. She's also a photographer and does a few other things on the side. She's known as the Profit Queen. She is in Colorado Springs, Colorado, Heather Langton. And Heather, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Well, it's great to, hey, you know, we've been talking to different entrepreneurs uh, on the program as part of a kind of a little series on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, so I was curious right away when you sent me your program info and it said, uh, entrepreneur since fourth grade. <laughs> and often that's the case with entrepreneurs. They sort of have it built into them, right? So I need to hear this story. What, what's, uh, what, what was going on in fourth grade that you uh, had the entrepreneurial bug? Sure. Um, well, I actually first started out by creating a classroom newsletter, um, which I didn't share with you, um, but we did that for free. And so that wasn't kind, it was kind of entrepreneurial, but it wasn't paid. Um, and then in fourth grade, I started doing friendship bracelets, custom ordered friendship bracelets. So people would tell me what color and what patterns they want, and I would make the bracelet. And um, I made quite a bit of money as a 10 year old child. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. So uh, you were, you were learning the fundamentals, I would imagine at that point, right? Creating a product and actually marketing it to your friends. And yep. Absolutely. Getting, yeah. And getting a good response by the sounds of it. Well, and interestingly enough, I put an advertisement, quote unquote, advertisement in my classroom newsletter. So one fed the other. And you're absolutely right. I started figuring out the foundation of business when I was in fourth grade. That's amazing. Now, did you come from an entrepreneurial family or was there some influence there for you? No, I didn't actually. I came, the influence is actually opposite. I came from a family that was... Um, I don't want to say poor, but definitely did not have a lot of money. Um, and we struggled quite a bit. And I saw that and my parents were working jobs and I decided that I didn't want to be limited by what my job was going to provide for me, that I wanted to provide for myself, whatever I chose to. And so that's kind of, um, I mean, obviously I didn't think that in the fourth grade, but as I was getting older, those were the things that I started thinking and, and why I pursued entrepreneurship rather than getting a job with somebody. So tell me about the journey then. You would have gone through school. There probably, like, like for me, there was a lot of pressure to take the traditional path, right? To go to, go to school, get your degree, find a job, climb the corporate ladder, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I, I know a few people who have had that experience and, and, you know, there are expectations around that. How did that work out for you? Well, um, I saw college as a stepping stone. So I did go to college after high school. Um, I earned my way through scholarships because again, we didn't have very much money. And so I saw it as a ticket to get out of where we were. Um, and so I went to college for my bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree in actually speech therapy and hearing testing. And then I went for my master's degree at a deaf college in New York, and I got a master's in deaf education, teaching secondary mathematics. I moved to Colorado. I did that for three years. I taught deaf and hard of hearing kids for three years. At the same time that I started teaching, my ex-husband and I opened up a remodeling company. 
and he would work out in the field and I would do the business on the side, you know, on in my all of my spare time as a teacher, <laughs> oh, I would yeah. run the business part of things. And after three years, I couldn't do both. It was too big. Our remodeling company was too big for me to do both. And so I actually stopped teaching. And that was my last J-O-B. And that's when I went into business for myself only. And that was where all of my income came in. And that was the start. Um, that was in, so the company opened in 2001. In 2004 is when I quit my teaching job and started to work full time as the owner and operator of the construction company. 2001 to 2004. That's incredible. Right? That is, you know, yeah, that's when I did both was 2001 right. to 2004. Yeah. And I know some teachers, I got to tell you, they don't have spare time. <laughs> you, it wasn't you, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's got to be, uh, you know, really putting a lot in uh, and very little sleep, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, and well, what I did was um, I learned early that if I put systems and processes into place, that things took a lot less time and a lot less focus, a lot less energy. And so what I started to do was during the summers, I started to do a lot to put in systems where I wasn't working both jobs. And um, so once I started putting systems into place in the company, it made it so that I could actually get help as well. Um, so that made it easier to creating the systems. Yeah. What kinds of systems work best for you? Oh, goodness. Um, I, first of all, I'm a proponent of systems and processes. I absolutely yeah. love them because I see what they can do. Um, for me, I have systems for so much. I have systems for onboarding a new client. I have systems for auditing a new client. I have systems for marketing uh, each of my workshops and webinars. Um, so I have systems all over the place. If you ask me, systems belong in every single piece of the company in one way or another. So that's kind of what I do with my, that is what I do with my business, not kind of, but I do have systems all over the place. Number one, because it's easier for me, but number two, because at some point I want to hand this off to somebody else, some of that busy work that I'm doing, and I need to have a way to teach them how to do it the way that I want it done. So for me, freedom is found for the entrepreneur when they can give away the majority of their tasks, focus on what they do best only, and make some off to do what they want to with their own time in their own life that's success to me as an entrepreneur i think that's a terrific definition of success it's one of those things that's a bit subjective isn't it everybody has a different definition but uh, I, I love that when you can sort of envision what it is you really want out of your mission in entrepreneurship and you can make it happen well that would be success wouldn't it be absolutely yeah. So you've been through these various stages. I mean, from the the, the fourth grade uh, bracelet business to uh, the, the home remodeling business, and now doing business coaching, sharing some of what you've learned along the way. What are some of the things that you find you have to share most in your coaching business? Hmm. Um, so the things that I have to share most are actually very surprising to me. Um, because I would think that it would be these big complex things that people are struggling with. But to be honest, a lot of it is pretty simple if you understand it. So for example, um, let's talk about marketing. Really easy to talk about. Um, first thing I ask people is, are you tracking where you're getting your phone calls and inquiries? And the answer is yes. Okay, well, where are you getting the most? Well, I think I'm getting them on such and such. Okay, well, how many did you get? I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 20. 
Okay, well, why are we not tracking this? Because number one, if we're not getting the response we want from one of those types of marketing, we're wasting money. And so putting something into place so that you can play to your strengths in marketing and where you're doing well versus getting rid of, and I should say not versus, but and getting rid of the things that are not helping you. That's a simple first step. Um, but a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think to put a system into place because a lot of people think about, okay, well, my client is my client once they buy. And so that's what I'm tracking. But that's not where you start tracking your marketing. So a lot of things are very simple like that in that um, they're not necessarily um, intuitive to do until you look at it from a big picture perspective. And so that's one of the things that I do. Um, another system that's or another thing that that's really popular that I do a lot is um, helping people create a business plan. And within that, um, looking at the financials, the projections, all the monetary part of it, I tend to do very well at that. Um, but a business plan is a pretty I don't want to say it's a simple document because it's not, but it's a foundational document that most people have, but they don't know if they're doing it the right way. And so I help with a lot of that. Um, and then another thing is financials with the home or the, uh, the I almost said homeowner, um, <laughs> financials with the company owner sitting down and saying, okay, do you understand what all of this means? Okay, now that we understand what it means, do you know how to apply it? Because just because it tells you something, it doesn't tell you what to do with that information. Right. And a lot of the times your financials will tell you a lot and give you warnings ahead of time if you just know how to read them and interpret them. So there are a lot of things that I go through. Those are probably the three um, most common on it, um, simple things um, that I start with. I have to ask you, I wanted to ask about branding and if you get into that kind of work with people very often, but I have to ask you, people who are listening to this on audio, you can't see the picture, but uh, Heather's wearing this impressive crown on her head. And uh, and when we first came on to the, uh, the recording, um, or just before we started recording, I said, wow, you're looking very regal. And she says, well, this is part of my branding. And of course, we introduced her as the profit queen. And I so I get that. I get that connection. But you have to tell me the story behind that. Oh boy. Um, it's actually kind of funny because, um, so I opened my business coaching company on point business coaching in 2018. So sorry. <laughs> I opened my, I opened my coaching company in 2018 and I actually went out and I bought a crown and it was this little tiara, this it was that big probably. And I bought it at a party store and I thought, you know, I bet I could be more memorable if I made something stand out about me. And if I'm the profit queen, I should be wearing a crown, but I couldn't find one locally. And I just wanted to try the whole thing out. And it actually took me three months to wear that thing out in public because I had to work myself up to get the courage for wearing it in public. Um, I'm yeah. not the kind of person that likes all the attention directed to me, but I did understand that creating a brand and draws people to your business. And so I started wearing that tiara. And after about six months, um, I had a presentation that I was going to do in, in front of a crowd of 100 plus people. And I set it all up so that somebody came up. It's actually on my home page of my website. Somebody came up with a red pillow with gold tassels with my crown sitting on it. I was wearing the tiara and we did an official upgrade at that presentation and it was so much fun. Um, but so since then, I wear my crown in everything business. 
if I'm in person, if I'm online. Um, I don't wear it when I'm on the phone, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's brilliant. It's a conversation piece, right? It's certainly going to get people talking and, and get people asking questions to you. It absolutely does. And in fact, um, if I accidentally forget it, people question why I don't have it on and where it is. So it's really interesting. It's, um, it's, it's become, become expected. Yeah, it's become something that I'm well known for, which is, it's interesting to me how it works. It's a, it's a proof of personal branding working. Yeah. So what do you take from that that you share in your business coaching? Um, well, um, in general, what you need to do as a business is you need to figure out how you stick out from the other businesses of your type. We kind of all know that, but how do yeah. we make that happen? It's tough because we see inside of our business, we don't see it from the outside. And so sometimes we do need that help to see how others perceive us um, and what we do that stands out from the other people in our same industry. Um, so personal branding is not necessarily wearing a crown all the time. You know, it's not that extreme all the time, but it is figuring out what you do that's different and what is your unfair advantage over everybody else in that industry. And we definitely do a lot of working on that. If somebody is unsure of how to stand out and how to reach their target market in the best way possible. Very cool. Hey, uh, you're doing some pro bono stuff too. Um, yes. and, uh, and, and so I find this interesting because you're working, is it just specifically with people who have criminal records? Yes, it is. Yeah. So th this is, this, this is cool because I did some career coaching work years ago, uh, with an organization that, that worked with a number of people who had various employment barriers and criminal record was, was one of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was a tremendous learning experience for me because it really is challenging for people to get involved in something with certain barriers and a criminal record being one of the more challenging barriers, I would say. Um, but, uh, but you're working with people who are interested in the entrepreneurial path, uh, coming from, from that challenging background. So tell me about that. Sure. Um, it kind of just fell into my lap. Um, I linked up with somebody on LinkedIn who runs an, a nonprofit called The Community. His name is Shannon Ross, um, and they're based out of Milwaukee. And they support people from the time that they're in prison until after they get jobs and coming into the community and re um, reassimilating. They also go into the community and talk about how the community can, so can support these people who are coming out of prison and are trying to get a second chance at things. Um, and they kind they call it correcting the narrative, which is exactly what it is. It's correcting what people think really is going on with um, the actual what's going on. Um, and so um, I connected with him on LinkedIn and he has another business as well. And so I started talking with him about how I could help with that. And he referred a friend to me and said, Hey, I have somebody who can't afford anything. They can't get a job because they've come out of prison. So they're trying to become an entrepreneur. Would you be willing to help them? And so I started helping the second person and a third person and a fourth person. Um, and I decided that what I would do is give a certain amount of hours, like four hours total of business coaching to people with criminal records who are either becoming or already are entrepreneurs. Um, I've actually, I love doing that work. Um, they're one of my favorite 
communities to work with because I see the effects trickle down. So I see that when I help one person, not only does the rate of recidivism go down because they're now providing for their family and they don't have to do it in ways that are undesirable, um, they also are influencing their family and showing their family, wow, if I can do this, you can do this too. And then they're showing their friends. Their friends are saying, wow, so-and-so can do this. Maybe I can do it too. And that all goes out to the community. So it's interesting to, to watch as I help one person set up and run a business in a way that, that they're able to contribute, that the whole community benefits in some way or another. And that just has gotten me hooked. So I love the pro bono work. I'm actually looking at opening a nonprofit to try and do pro bono work more often with these individuals just because I see such a need and I see such a big, um, a big difference from when I start working with them until they're done working with me. Um, they have this confidence that they've created within themselves by getting information and being educated and knowing that they can make the best choice for their company that's possible. That's tremendous. Everybody deserves a second chance, right? And uh, so I think that's, that's just tremendous what you're doing. What kinds of businesses do you see people getting into? Oh, goodness. Um, so a lot of IT because that's something that they can train for inside the prison system. Um, a lot of trucking because trucking, you can open your own business in trucking for about $10,000 and you can earn $100,000 up to $100,000 that first year even if you do it right. Um, there's a gentleman named Ed Hennings who is a formerly incarcerated person who now owns a company that is a trucking company and he coaches other people on how to open a trucking company as well. Um, so it, it's really cool. You see this come, you see this, um, this contribution from multiple sides. It's really neat. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. What's been uh, sort of the best story that's come out of the, you know, the people that you've worked with, what's been the biggest success? Mm. Gosh, so to me, the biggest success is when the owner looks at me and the, the thing that we've just discussed, all of a sudden they get it. They understand that this particular thing that we just figured out is going to change their entire company, probably change their life. So that's my favorite kind of discovery. Um, but what are the things that I'm, um, I'm trying to think in particular? Um, so can you ask me that question again? Yeah. Let me make sure I'm answering it correctly. Yeah. We, we're just sort of wondering out of all of the people you've worked with, uh, there are a number of different businesses that have come out of that, that work. Um, so, you know, what's been the biggest success from all the people you've worked with? What's the biggest success story out there? Um, I would say that the biggest success story is probably a gentleman that I worked with pro bono. Um, he was looking at opening up an IT company. Um, he did have a job, but he was being paid very minimally. So he was having trouble helping his family. Um, we sat down, we created a business plan. We set up some basic systems and processes. We did some financial projections. And with all of those things, he was able to open up a tech company, an IT company, that employs people who are formerly incarcerated and to help his community at a rate that people could 
support that were needing help but weren't necessarily able to pay top dollar for that help. So he also contributed greatly to his community in a lot of ways, being, you know, hiring the people for second chance, helping people who were lower income to be able to gain that IT help, all of that kind of stuff. So that's probably my favorite turnaround, I should say. That's awesome. How how long would something like that take? Like what on and not just that story, but sort of on average, because I think a lot of people choose entrepreneurship sort of on a whim at times, uh, based on life circumstances, <laughs> and they think, oh, I'm just going to start a business and everything's going to be rosy, and you know we're going to turn a profit right away, and it'll all work out well. Um, but that we yeah. we know you and I know that's not always the case. Uh, how long do you do you see people taking to get up and running and actually be in a position where they can, you know, not only survive but thrive? Well, surviving, you know, there's a three to five year mark typically where it takes between three and five years to start making money and have profit in your company. Um, that's not always the case. And of course, if you have somebody help you who's already been there, you're going to get there quicker um, than the average person. But I would say that, um, I mean, there are a lot of people you write who jump up and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to work anymore, but there's definitely a lot involved in running a company. And, a lot of us start a company because we like what we're doing, not because we know how to run a business. And so um, having that help, even if you're still in three to five years before you start making money, having that help gets you there in a more, um, you're more confident when you get there. As far as having a company thrive, there are so many things that that depends upon. One of the biggest I find is whether the owner is willing to admit that they don't know how to do everything themselves. Hmm. That's one of the biggest things I see that allows business owners to open up and to become wildly successful. Because once we realize we don't know it all and that there's so much else out there that we need to know in order to be more successful, we start reaching out for that help and then we're open to receiving that information too. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's huge. That's why I farm out my taxes and you know, a lot of the administrative stuff that I just can't do. It's not in my strengths. <laughs> so better for somebody Absolutely. who does have the strength to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's one thing I encourage clients to do as well is um, it may not be right away because in fact, it probably won't be right away because at first you have very little money and you have a bunch of time. Um, so you end up doing as much as you can yourself, but putting systems and processes into place also helps so that you can hand those things off as you get bigger and busier. And the sweet spot for any owner is that thing that they started the business for. Why did they start this business? If they can get back to doing that, that's probably their biggest moneymaker in their position because that's what they know how to do the best. And so if I can just get people back to um, focusing on what they do the best and farming out, like you said, farming out anything that they can, um, that really helps a company grow as well. Yeah. What do you think has been some of the bigger challenges for you along the way? Uh, in any businesses along your journey? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I have had in every single business that I've either owned or helped run is um, marketing correctly. 
it's really tough to figure out where your target market is and to get in front of them with their pain points at the right time when they decide that they need that help. And so um, I'm certainly not an expert in marketing, but I do help my clients. If they have a deep need for, for specifics in marketing, I have people that I can refer to. Um, but we look at marketing a lot of the times because even... Um, so right now there's this big talk of a recession and some people are feeling it some people are not yet but everybody's a little bit afraid of it at least a little bit afraid of it sure and one of the things that you need to do during a recession is go back and reevaluate your target market things that basic and reevaluate your product or service is it now needed or is there something different that's needed the recession has changed so it it um yeah, does that answer that question? I think so. And and yeah, I mean, we run into bumps in the road all all the way through the journey, right? And that's kind of right. part of the theme of the program. Um, and it's how we get through them that uh, that helps in the learning, I think, for for other people who are kind of watching the journeys. Um, did you would you classify anything specific as a failure along the journey? Well, um, I have a view on failure being that. Every time I fail, that's just an opportunity for me to learn how to try differently so that I can eventually succeed. So um, I guess I look at the stepping stones. I mean, that there have been a lot of failures if you look at it that way. Um, I have not done everything right from the very beginning. There's no way we can. And the challenge is how do you look at what you've quote unquote failed at and what do you do with that information and how do you proceed with it? So yes, I've had plenty of failures. I've had lack of clients. I've had, um, I mean, there was a client that I thought I understood thoroughly and I ne didn't necessarily understand as well as I thought what they wanted. And so I ended up not having that client as a long-term client. They were happy with what they got, but they wanted something different than what I gave, put yeah. it that way. Um, so that was a learning experience too. And sometimes learning experiences are humbling. And that's a good thing because, again, we all need to realize that we don't know it all and we need to reach out for help in order to, to get past these failures and get past these learning lessons so that we can go to where we want to succeed. Um, and I don't believe it's a matter of if you'll succeed. It's a matter of when, if you keep pushing through your failures and lose and learn through them. Yeah. You, uh, you talked about systems uh, a fair bit. And I wonder, because you are doing your coaching work, you're doing a lot of pro bono work, you're a parent, you, know, you have a lot going on. Uh, and I, I get do. the parent thing too. Yes. How do you manage it all? What system do you, do you have in place to, to manage all of your commitments? Okay, um, that's actually a pretty simple thing to answer, although it's not easy. But to be honest, I carve out time for work-life balance, period. I, unless there's something that's urgent or that's a big project that I can't push out that is due soon, I don't work past 5 p.m. and I don't work on the weekends. Um, 
During the past 5 p.m. and the weekends, I do other things besides parenting. I do my photography. I'm a wildlife and landscape photographer as well, right. um, and I sell my photography. So I do a lot of that in that off time as well, and that's actually my passion. So that helps me to create that work-life balance as well because it's some of it's about how much time you spend in your personal life and your work life and how to balance it. But a lot of it's also the kind of time you spend in your personal life to motivate you and to refresh you so that when you go back to the work life, you're looking at it with a set of fresh eyes, more patience, more determination, any of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's one of the biggest challenges for people uh, you know, especially in entrepreneurship, it's a different ball game because you're, you're being pulled in different directions. And, and if you're working with people across different time zones, that adds another element. Um, and oh, by the way, I've got to take my son to hockey practice or, you know, or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, yes. and, uh, you know, I think, uh, what we have what we have learned and what you've just articulated is it is possible if we set boundaries um, and uh, I think that's a system that that people have to embrace to be able to fit it all in for sure uh, I want to shift gears a little bit one of the things I've been doing with guests is uh, is talking a little bit about where they are and what some of the fun stuff is around uh, their particular location so you're in Colorado Springs um, if I were to to visit Colorado Springs, paint a picture for me. What do I need to see there? Well, it's um, it's a gorgeous place. Um, there are natural wonders all over the city and right outside of the city. Um, the first thing that I would suggest you see is Garden of the Gods. It is a majestic layout of these rocks that we don't necessarily know how they got here in the middle of nothing. Um, and they're just beautiful structures that are natural. And the Garden of the Gods has its own park with all this wildlife and bighorn sheep and all kinds of stuff. So one of my biggest passions is getting back to nature. And that allows me to do that 15 minutes from my house. Nice. I love that about living here. I go there almost every single day. I just drive through sometimes. Sometimes I stop and take photos. Sometimes I actually work there from a parking lot and just have the grandness around me. Um, there's a lot to do within an hour. There's camping, there's hiking, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, one of the other things that I really like about this area um, which I guess it's not something that you would necessarily visit, but the community of small business is very cohesive here. It's very strong. Um, and I would say that it's a backbone of the city. And so what I would encourage anybody who's visiting is to go to areas in downtown Colorado Springs and the neighboring cities that have crafts and photographs and um, various different products that are made by local creators. And so we do a lot of supporting local companies here. And so that's another thing that I would suggest is just going to all the little mom and pop shops um, and the, the galleries and things like that. Because again, those are the things that make our community great here. Yeah, support local. I think we learned some lessons around that, particularly coming through the pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, about how important it truly is to support local. Yes. Uh, and uh, paradise for anybody who loves the outdoors, it sounds like. Absolutely. 
I mean, it's horrible here. Don't come here. Don't come <laughs> visit us. I, I don't, I, it's getting very crowded. And so that's kind of a joke among the locals. When somebody <laughs> asks what it's like here, we tell them that we get feet of snow, that it's cold all the time, that the summer is so hot. And really it's all a lie because it's a wonderful place to be. <laughs> don't tell anybody about Colorado Springs. Nope, it's our best kept secret. <laughs> Heather, I appreciate you being here. Where can we find you? Well, um, I'm on the internet at onpoint.coach. And um, so again, that's onpoint.coach. You can reach me by email at heather at onpoint.coach. And um, you can also reach me by phone or by text at 719-440-5836. Perfect. We'll put that stuff in the show notes too so people can find you. Heather Langton, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hey, if you like the program, you can check us out on dirtroadjourneys.com. Hope you join us again. This is Dirt Road Journeys. I'm Rob Deptford.